Hello, I'm Dr. Annalene Weston, Dental Legal Consultant at Dental Protection. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high-quality dental care for your patient. In this edition, which is Top Tips for Younger Practitioners, we're going to focus on some advice and things that we wish that we knew when we started our practice of dentistry. So, Kieran, I guess the first and obvious question is, why did we create a podcast with tips for recent graduates? Well, Annalene, we talk to many young practitioners, and I think it's useful for us to discuss some of the key areas of dentistry that they need to be mindful of, especially in the first few years out of uni, as building good habits at an early stage of your career will hold you in good stead later on as well. I agree. So how's being a recent or new graduate different from being in university, Kieran? Well, when you're in uni, you're going to see a particular type of patient, probably the nicest patients you will have. They're happy to see you and want to help. And they feel that they're giving back to the community by effectively acting as one of your first patients and allowing you to train and practice on them. These patients don't generally have any financial considerations and you as clinicians in uni will have a fair bit of time on your hands, which will allow you to perfect and get support and help from your tutors. From going to having loads of time and no money in dental school, when you graduate, you may go to having not as much time, but hopefully a bit more money. And money money is clearly a very important factor for patients as well. And you will have a range of patients in clinic. They could be really nice and grateful for your help and treatment, or they could be the type that has consulted with Dr. Google and presents to you demanding that you provide them with very specific treatment. And unless you're one of the lucky few, you most likely won't have your tutors or mates with you to help you out with a problem. But remember, dental protection will be there at the end of the phone to help you with any complaints or issues you may have. So what aspects of dentistry are important for recent graduates to consider? Well, I think the first area to talk about, and the most obvious, is the provision of clinical treatment. It's important to work within your scope, and this means providing treatment that you are comfortable with and have sufficient training and experience in. It's wise not to provide treatments such as implants after watching a video on YouTube or TikTok. Similarly, it's not a good idea to decide that you're going to be providing adult orthodontics after you've been on a weekend course in beginner ortho. If you have any complaints after providing such treatment, one of the first things the dental board or the dental council will ask is how much experience you have and what further training you've had in this area of dentistry. In recognition of the areas of dentistry that you can't or don't want to provide treatment for, you should be comfortable referring patients to other clinicians. Now that could be a more experienced clinician within your practice or to a clinician or specialist outside. It's important that you build up a network and talk to your colleagues about who they usually refer to and hopefully over time you'll build up a decent list of clinicians who you can work with as a team. So which areas of clinical dentistry are recent graduates reporting they struggle the most with? The ones they report are often related to experience and exposure to more complex treatments. I had a look at the distribution of cases reported to us by recent graduates. That's practitioners who are in their first four years out of uni. I found that for these recent graduates, about 50% of the cases we open are for endodontics and oral surgery, which includes simple extractions. Endodontics accounts for about twice as many cases than we see with dentists who are more experienced. 
We're also seeing an increase in cases with implants and adult orthodontics across the board. Okay, Kieran, so what's the most common endodontic complication and how should a practitioner deal with it? Annalene, the most frequent complications we see are those involving file separation. And this has been increasing with rotary endosystems being used more frequently. Now, if a file separation occurs, you should temp temporize the tooth and tell the patients what's happened. It's usually a good idea not to charge the patient for an incomplete endodontic treatment. And ideally, you would then give us a call to discuss what's happened. We would usually advise to refer to an endodontist who will hopefully be able to bypass or remove the file and complete the treatment. Naturally, the patient may be quite annoyed that this has happened and usually a good way of resolving this without it going any further will be to offer to pay for any additional treatment costs over and above those that you had already discussed with the patient. It's very important that before you make any offers to the patient, you discuss them with us first. As with all aspects of clinical dentistry, as you gain more experience and complete further training and CPD, you'll hopefully encounter fewer problems with endo treatment and be able to identify and refer out those treatments that you're not comfortable with. So aside from clinical aspects of dentistry, Kieran, are there any other areas dental practitioners should consider? Along with the clinical aspects of dentistry, I think the most important thing to consider is communication. You can be the best clinician in the world, but if you do not clearly communicate and build a rapport with a patient, many studies have shown that you are more likely to get a complaint. And Colin is going to talk about this more in his upcoming podcast, Communication Tips for Smoother Practice. It's important to remember that commu communication isn't only about the words you use, it's also about how you talk to a patient and your body language. Rolling your eyes, sighing and trying to rush through your conversation with your patient so that you can lie them back and have a look is likely to lead to a patient complaint. I find that a lot of my patients appreciate it when I talk to them honestly about their options, risks, benefits and costs because it doesn't feel like a sales pitch. And also, you're showing the patient the respect that they deserve. And if they feel this, they'll have more of an honest and open discussion with you, which means that the patient is ultimately more involved with the treatment you provide. Now, part of being honest with a patient is also being able to say no to a patient. A patient, for example, can ask you to give them a top of veneers or take out all of their teeth. Now, I personally have had patients at both extremes saying, I'm sure you can do this. It's so probably so easy for you, Dr. Kieran. And I've had a, another patient who said to me, they're mighty, so you have to provide the exact treatment that I tell you I want you to do. And if at any point you feel that you can't or don't want to provide certain treatment, it's usually wise to go with your gun instinct and say no. Many times we've had members call up after a complaint and the first thing they say is that it didn't feel right but the patient insisted and I didn't know how to say no, so I provided the treatment. We're all in dentistry to provide treatment for patients and to help them, and I think saying no can be really difficult. I agree, Annalene. And because it's such a difficult subject, we have another podcast dedicated to how, why, and when to say no to providing treatment to patients. Thanks, Kieran. Are there any other tips you can also give on communication? It's very important to avoid baffling your patients with jargon. Remember that just because you understand what you're saying, it doesn't mean that the patient will. Give them the opportunity to ask questions and clarify the information provided. A good way of checking understanding is by asking the patient to repeat back to you in their own words what they've understood. 
By doing this, you can more appropriately document that you had provided information and given the patient the opportunity to discuss this with you. Another aspect of communication is understanding and managing the patient's expectations, especially when you're providing elective, expensive or aesthetic treatment. By having a detailed discussion with the patient and recording it in detail, you'll be able to understand the patient's expectations and then manage them. Some, and sometimes this may be by telling the patient that you can't meet their expectations and offering to refer them to another clinician. You mentioned record-keeping, Kieran. How important is this? Well, Annalyn, you know record-keeping is very important. The requirements are set out in the Dental Board's overarching document on how we should behave, the Code of Conduct. I should also mention that there was a study that showed that about 75% of cases before the Dental Board have a finding of unprofessional conduct against a dental practitioner on the basis of inadequate record-keeping. It's important for you to record sufficient information and you need to include any discussions, special tests, diagnoses, any discussions that you've had with the patient about risks and benefits of treatment. And then you should note what the patient agreed to. Auto-templating or quick notes has greatly improved efficiency when it comes to writing patient records but we're seeing that a lot of the information in the records are not relevant. An example for this being an extraction of a 3-7. You may say that you discussed the risks and warnings, which is great, but if auto-templated notes indicate that one of the risks you had discussed with the patient is the risk of an OAC, which we know wouldn't happen, the validity and accuracy of your records are called into doubt. We have a lot of resources available on record keeping on the Dental Protection website. We highly recommend taking a look, as without adequate records, you run the risk of either you not remembering the treatments and discussions you had with the patient, or another practitioner not being able to understand it. The dental board looks at records in detail, so it's important to make sure that you don't fall into bad record-keeping habits. Thanks, Kieran. Just to finish off with our tips, do you have any tips on looking for a job? Sure. It's important to take your time when looking for a job and talk to your friends and other recent graduates to get an idea of who would be a good mentor and more importantly, who wouldn't be. There are a number of places on the internet where you can look for jobs. There are Facebook communities and job websites which are useful. You can also find a job through word of mouth and by building a network, especially in the suburbs and smaller towns and cities. Remember that dentistry involves working in a team, so I appreciate your dental assistant because I know I could never do the work that I do if it wasn't for the team around me. Finally, I think one of the traps that many recent graduates fall into is working in isolation. This means working without any other clinicians around you. It can get very lonely and we've seen very many of our colleagues affected by this isolation. They burn out, which leads to complications, mistakes and complaints which can then lead into a deeper cycle of stress and dissatisfaction with your career. We do offer a confidential counselling service for our members and I'd strongly encourage our members to use it. Yes, I agree, Kieran. Thank you. Well, you've touched on a lot of things today, Kieran, and I certainly wish someone had had this discussion with me when I started out because I think my earlier practising life would have been much happier and far less stressful if they had. And thank you all for listening. We hope that this podcast was helpful to you and we look forward to sharing more guidance with you in the future. If you like Dental Protection Podcasts and would like to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review.